several Sundays back with worship, and tonight hit again. And uh, I want to preface this with, even if you just met us recently, or you've known us a while, I want to truly tell you, if there's ever any question in your, your mind whether we truly love you with everything we've got, uh, please, um, I hope that there's some time, some point, that it'd be proven out what's really in our heart for y'all. Uh, I'm a human. I don't always show it the best way. Um, I mess up. I have cranky days, too. I remember one day after, before we got started on a ministry thing we had here, it wasn't a normal service, but I flat out told the people here, I said, I'm kind of cranky today, <laughs> you know. Uh, I'm not, uh, I'm quick to tell where I'm at, but um, I want to share with that, that with you first because uh, it's very difficult sometimes for us, you know, this is an awesome act of love, you know, I, I mean, we appreciate the offerings, and I don't want to diminish from that a bit because we, that is, that is huge to us. Um, but the things that really are tangible for us is the fact that y'all are worshiping. And, you know, if you could just put yourself in my shoes for a minute, you know, I, I want to do everything I can for God. And I don't, I try not to put success into the arena here. In fact, something we were going to talk about tonight in Bible study has to do with that. But, but in God's eyes, success is really, to me, how much people are growing here. And, and I'm even okay with that if it's independent of me a lot of times, you know. Um, Pastor Ken is leading some great worship, and, and there's probably a lot of growth happening just from worship. Um, so the thing that's been on my heart for the last few Sundays, and, and it's kind of interesting to bring this up because I almost feel like it's almost a mute point given the way the service is going. But just in case there's someone out there who, uh, tonight, who may um, question themselves and, and how they interact in worship, you know, recently, I'm not a sports fan, but Kansas City won... What what sport? What World Series, right? And I saw some pictures of just nothing but the blue and white, you know, all over big, uh, a big square or somewhere, you know, they celebrating. And what Ken said about if a dignitary walked in, um, look, I'm not going to try to cheerlead or anything here. I'm just going to tell you that uh, scripturally and from the Holy Spirit, you have all the okay or authority or or permission, what you say, to cut loose. I'm going to tell you nothing's put on for me. I, I find it evolving. Lately, I feel like yelling. <laughs> I get so excited, I'm getting yelling. And, and I'm, I'm not trying to, I, other than being a shepherd and trying to lead you uh, by example, um, it's truly something that really happened to me. And if you're not feeling that yet, I'm just going to challenge you, dig in. When Jesus died on the cross, if he had wanted a perpetual funeral for worship and for his church, he would have stayed dead in the grave. And, and there is times for the slow reverent music for us to enter into to, uh, more of a calm worship. I mean, that, that's okay. But let me tell you something. The, the words, if you listen to the words we're singing, and you really think about that triumphal entry that we, when we are in the clouds with the Lord, if you can't picture that and, and sing those words and really let them take hold, I'm telling you, I can't contain myself, and I know the Lord wants to bust this place loose. And this has nothing to do with Pentecostal background. This has nothing to do with that other than the scriptural Pentecostal um, uh, doctrine. But, but as far as organizational, you know, whatever we think it should be, has nothing to do with that. Um, I'm not trying to promote any one thing. You know, I'm not trying to promote people running around the sanctuary. If that happens, great. I'm not trying to promote any one thing. I'm just trying to say that uh, God is really, really trying to bust things loose here. I've known it in my spirit. It's happened to me personally. 
And if it's not half of you, dig in. I don't know what the answer is. Pray, fast, do whatever. But please, please don't miss out. You can't really take and transition your head from I'm here and this is just church to eternity and in heaven. If you truly believe heaven's real and you're going to be there, then you can't in any way try to tame what, what you should be feeling in worship for the Lord here. Get what I'm saying? There, there should be no difference in your spirit because you are a spirit person. You're a spirit man, a spirit woman, and there should be no difference from your, what's happening in your spirit now than eternity. The only difference is a perfected body, no more sin, and you don't have all the junk trying to weight you down. You may be a little more freer, in your, a lot more freer in your worship there, but, but don't let Satan win. Uh, I was standing in the back just thinking, man, Lord, you, I know we're on the path, but if we just have more space, people could really kind of, you know, we're all kind of crammed like sardines sometimes. Um, these kids, I, I'm, I'm planning to work with some of these kids to make them official, give them a badge or something, official altar workers, you know. And, and, and adults, I'm telling you, um, those kids, while that's awesome, don't spectate that. In other words, if they see adults just spectating it, then they'll start to believe that's something you grow out of. You got me? And I'm not trying to get you to put anything on, but sometimes there's the breakthrough in just stepping out even before you feel it, Right? Just something's wrong with me. I'm not feeling this in the service like I should be. Maybe a change of location will help me a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, New Testament church, they explored. They did, you know, you read and you get a sense that they were, you know, the Holy Spirit's leading it. But for them, it was really exploring the New Testament church. Because keep in mind, and not always did they have, you know, just like we don't have the Holy Spirit drop down in physical form in front of us and 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 show us exactly what's supposed to happen. I made a post on Facebook that I think some people took differently, and I said, good or bad, writing on the wall sometimes would be a good thing. And what I meant by that is, sometimes we struggle just because we don't have anything visible or audible from the Lord. But if he had to chastise me, or he had to encourage me, or give me direction, either way, sometimes I'd just like the writing wall. I'd take the chastisement just to hear his voice. See what I'm saying? So um, that's one encouragement. Um, the other thing I want to say is we are really at a um, transitional point and something came up in my prayer time that kind of shook me a little and uh, did make me fearful but made me cautious. And I'm just going to be very clear with you. There's times when the Lord tells me a week ahead before some drama comes up. And what I mean by drama, somebody's starting to feel a little hurt about something, somebody's starting to get a little and it happens and then the next week I know. You know, or it takes a couple weeks, but I always seem to know when something's stirring. And now, as I'm maturing and growing as, as a shepherd, I'm starting to understand that uh, that's not between me and that person to just wait till it comes out. That's between me and the enemy uh, with the Lord as my help to combat that. So the other thing I want to just tell you is that don't let any personal feelings towards me or anybody else in the church, uh, let the devil get a foothold. I'm not telling you not have issue with me. If you have issue, let's talk about it. Don't let anything simmer or boil. I don't know if it's for this group or what. I've been feeling that in my prayer time. I've been feeling it that there's there's something simmering, there's something boiling. Okay, and so if you've got if there's some attitude popping up towards someone or myself, look, I got thick skin. I do hurt more than people realize. Sometimes I get some things said to me that I'm just like, wow. Uh, I guess I'm supposed to be bulletproof, and that's that's okay. Um, it comes with the job, but. Um, just know that it's not worth what it does to you and your walk with the Lord. I knew the sacrifice of stepping into that. That's why I didn't want it right off. I was a pastor's son. I know what happens. So 
just understand, I get it, and we just need to work through it, and I'm not going to dislike anybody for anything. We just, we just got to work through it. So that may not be for this, this group, but I just wanted to say, while we have the, the Spirit softening our hearts, um, you know, look, I fail all the time. You know, I was talking to Ken. We went to lunch, and I said, I said, it's amazing some things I pick up sometimes where someone's like, I hardly ever see you at the church, Pastor, but they, you know, maybe they're not Facebook, don't see all the check-ins where I'm at or where I'm going. And, you know, little things like that can just stir something up in somebody. Is that pastor doing his job? I was telling Ken, you know, I had a visitation last night, a, a funeral. I didn't get back to church till 2.30 today, but I kind of picked up on something, you know, somebody outside our church is like, I drive by there all the time, and it happened today. <laughs> we were joking about it the other day, it happened. I was like, you ever in the office? You know, that kind of stung. I'm like, look, you know, walk my shoes for a week. <laughs> Have your kids saying, Dad, are you going to be home this week or not? I mean, come on. So uh, I'm saying if it happens for me, it happens for anybody, whether you're in a leadership position or not. You're in a body. We're going to have confrontation. We're going to have struggles sometimes. Just work through it. And I don't want to end that on a negative note. That's a positive thing uh, because we just squashed attempts of the enemy there. If, if it's something going on in somebody's heart, it, it's right now it's the Holy Spirit's illuminating it. Um, so I feel like we may be able to get through. Is that clock right? I changed it. Did I change it right? Is it 725 or somewhere around there? I guess I click on my iPad, no. Um, so I've, I've been saying that I want to get more interactive on Wednesday nights. I want to get more of a Bible study format. And I, I committed to that. And then in trying to get something together, I've struggled a little. Um, so I do like a lot of pastors have shown me they've done it for a long time. When you struggle, go start looking for resources. You know, maybe God's leading you to something that's already been done. But um, I found this interesting we- uh, website that had some um, Bible studies that were very short. Um, as far as the content, uh, but the subject matter could draw out a lot of conversation. And so I like that. And, and so this I felt like tied in. What I'm trying to do now in this is I'm going to try to tie in Sundays. So if you're here on Sundays and on, on the message on community, Wednesdays I hope will dig deeper. So we'll be backing up what we get on Sundays, on Wednesdays. It won't be the same sermon. It won't be anything like that. But the subject that we bring on Wednesday should back up and help us go deeper. So that we're not just, you know, Sundays is a whole different subject. We're covering something on Wednesdays. And um, so the title of this was, I want to be great or at least avoid being a loser. I want to be great or at least avoid being a loser. How does this tie into the whole community aspect? Because part of individualism or us wanting to be loners and things is, is kind of uh, sometimes a setting us apart from others. So we, you know, one thing that can be hard for you to um, build a bridge with another person, some commonalities that we talked on Sunday, is for you to feel in some way that they're lesser than you. And you may not even realize you're thinking that. Um, some of it may come natural. If someone is a high income earner, uh, they have a really nice, big, expensive house, God's blessed them with stuff, uh, it doesn't mean that they're any less uh, of a, a brother in Christ and kind and gentle and everything else, fruits of the Spirit at work, than the guy that doesn't have all that. But when you go to get together, or your, your families get together, it, it, there's some things that you may not even realize in yourself where there's some boundaries you have to get over. Now, I will say, like I said on Sunday, is it will be natural for you to dig deep relationships with those who have a lot of things in common. But there are all those times where we need to be able to, to get to know everybody in the body, and that's where you may be um, kind of uh, trying to blend with someone who's very different than you. And I used um, economic status there that may, may not have been the best first example, but it can be of many things. It could be whether you raise your child or whether you have children or not. It could be many things. But do you ever feel like you want to be great? 
Don't laugh, but I'm going through that a lot right now. This midlife crisis stuff, it's terrible. It is terrible. All this reflecting about, did I really accomplish everything I want to, and do I have time to do something after that? And I've, I've at least got the hope that, uh, and I told somebody, I said, I can at least focus in on the one thing, this church that God's given me, and if, if, and if I can do great for God with this church, I can die happy, you know? I can go on to eternity happy, knowing, uh, satisfied that I've, I've, I've done something uh, great, at least in God's eyes. Um, and, and you may not think this because greatness is so appealing and it's, uh, uh, but in and of itself, but because you think people respect you or like you more if you're great. Uh, I'll be very transparent with you, and this is maybe going to be hard for me because it might burst my bubble publicly here. But the very thing that drew me to, uh, when, when I left uh, Bible college, uh, the very thing that drew me to the Navy is because I kind of want to punish myself uh, a little bit and because this is before a lot of notoriety that the Navy got and, and special uh, groups, but I wanted to go to a diving program because I wanted to do something that make me look cool, right? And then I got in and saw the hard work, and I had to change my reason for being there. But, but then uh, motorcycle ministry, or, or let me go back. When I ran away from the Lord and I got around motorcycle clubs, part of it was I saw how people looked at me like, ooh, don't mess with those guys, right? Walk in a restaurant, here's a whole guy, a bunch of guys on bikes coming in. You see women grabbing their purses, pulling a little closer, getting their kids, hustling out the car. And in a weird kind of twisted way for a pastor's kid who has run from the Lord, I'm like, yeah, I hadn't had any of that. You know, a pastor's kid, you had to be nice even when people are mean. I like this. People just assume you're mean and they leave you alone. You don't even have to worry about them hurting your feelings. They're going to stay away from you. You know, and I, I made it worse because I had this old 1973 kickstart only Harley that, that sputtered and kicked it. You could never keep it in time and it shoot flames out the pipes. I could ride through Walmart parking lot and about clear four spaces just for me just by pulling in the parking lot. People started leaving. So, you know, um, there's different things that we look for to be great. Um, and, and those things can be like a drug. And even if we don't consider ourselves or nobody else considers ourselves a snooty or a high and mighty person, in our own ways, we can try to always be better than other people. Now, there is something in me uh, that I always like to compete with myself. Sometimes what's mistaken for me trying to be better than other people, it's really not. I'm not at all trying to compete with them or trying to be better than them. I'm always trying to outdo myself. If I did something great here, my family would attest to this. I was always on to something else. If that wasn't great enough, then I tried to trump it with something else. Um, so uh, it might be like the likes on Facebook. We're going to get in some interaction here real quick. But so, so be paying attention to what I'm saying on this because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to want you to answer some questions. But... It might be like the likes on Facebook, a number on, on the scale or a dollar amount on a paycheck, um, followers on social media. I tested out a new thing called um, Periscope today. Um, has anybody heard of Periscope? It's a social media thing. Okay, so the crazy thing about this, it reminds me of kind of like a social media Skype, only you're not really uh, two-way videoing. You're actually taking video of yourself or your surroundings or whatever you're doing, broadcasting that anywhere in the world. You, you can see a map on the world. You can touch these little circles, and all of a sudden you're watching a video. Somebody's live streaming off their cell phone somewhere. So if they're out water skiing and they've got a GoPro and they can somehow, or they're parachuting with that, you, you get to be in on it with them. And so I thought, that's kind of cool. But when you're new at it and you don't really have any content, I found myself just holding the phone there for a little bit, and I was kind of talking to the, felt like I was talking to the air, and and then all of a sudden I got excited because two people got on there. But the first two, I couldn't see who they were. And then someone from one of the other churches is tied in with Twitter. It, it told her that I was on there, and she got on there, and she started typing stuff. And then I kind of felt weird. I was like, okay, this is probably not a pastorly thing to do, to be sitting here talking to the air 
I was just telling people, I don't really know what to say. I'm just testing this out. But, but what I'm getting at is that um, we start to feel, you know that feeling of euphoria when you get a lot of likes? How many are on Facebook? Okay. If you put some on Facebook and within a few minutes you got 99 likes, you're not telling me that you wouldn't get a little excited? You feel special, right? There's 99 people that liked what I just did. Let me try something else. Let me see if they'll just like me on a consistent basis. Then I can say I've got... 99 people who kind of like worship the ground I walk on because they're following my stuff, they're watching, you know, and, it, and it's kind of this euphoria. We, we feel like that's truly relationship where they're truly liking us, but really they're just flippantly hitting a little thing because like, yeah, I'm good with that. I mean, that's really kind of it. It's kind of like when we say, how are you doing? And they say, fine. And we say, baloney, that whole thing. Well, it's kind of like those likes. It's like they're really just saying, I watched it. But we communicate that as all of a sudden that they've really liked us or liked our stuff, right? And it could be, you know, but usually if they comment, put a nice comment, then they really took the effort and then, you know, they liked it. But those likes don't really mean much. So if we're going to break free from our obsession with the, the greatness, there are several things we have to do. And so we can see from those examples I gave that it truly is that some of us may have a problem with the wanting to be great. We just haven't really thought it through a little bit and thought about the social media thing or other things in our life. Maybe you're not on social media, but... Um, you know, you may uh, say you do craft fairs and you're looking at the person's booth next to you and, and you're getting hardly anybody. Everybody's just like passing you going to the booth next to you. Maybe they made something similar. And you're getting kind of bent out of shape. It's like, what's wrong with my stuff? We, we all will struggle with that about being greater than the others. The disciples did. Ask Jesus, who's going to be the greatest? So there's a few things that we, um, if we're going to break from this obsession, and this has everything to do with us being community because once we can get over ourselves in some of these areas that we don't really see, that we haven't been uh, made aware of, then we begin to be a little more uh, easy in relationships. Um, we aren't, don't have expectations on people. We're not expecting them to be another version of us. That's something I run into a lot. And, and in my first couple min, uh, years ministry here as pastor, I, I put the brakes on about people getting involved. I was like, you got to be here six months, new song. Uh, and there's a certain amount that's good. You got to know who's going to be doing ministry, no matter what it is. But I found that some of it was my expectations were I wanted them to do it the way I would do it. And the more I talked to my dad and his experience in church, you're not going to get a lot of people just like you. God didn't intend it that way. The very thing we've been talking about. Okay, so the first thing we've got to do is we've got to see greatness from a biblical perspective. We've got to let the Bible shine a light on how we see greatness. Um, we've got to let go of our need to have others respect and think well of us. Let God be enough. Biggest problem in church a lot of times is we got our eyes on people and not God. That's where the disappointments happen. That's where the, the, that church hurt me. That's where that church disappointed me. That's where the, they're hypocrites because we get our eyes off God and on people and we're expecting people to be God, to be our God. Um, then three, we got to focus on our efforts on loving God and others well rather than getting them to respect and love us well. Um, oh man, I've spent a lot of my life trying to get approval of people. Just... You know, even now, I think I'm fairly free of it. And, and it's funny. I mean, I'll, every day I catch myself in this uh, unending game of, of, I wonder what people are thinking about how I did this. Uh, I post stuff on Facebook and wonder now, would no more pastors do that? How is my church going to see that? I mean, I, I gauge things way too much sometimes. But um, the fourth thing, renew our minds whenever we catch ourselves worrying about what others think of us. Renew our minds whenever we catch ourselves. What's funny is I can almost do a parallel message to this about the people who don't care enough about what people think, right? There's some people that don't have a filter 
you know, um, and they'll say or do anything, and then he's just like, I don't care what people think. And that can also be dangerous to your walk with the Lord and, and relationship with others in the body. Um, so uh, the I want to be great uh, syndrome. Someone with their Bibles, can you turn to Ch- uh, Mark, the book of Mark, New Testament, after Matthew, before Luke. Mark chapter 10, just 10 verses, 35 through 45. Mark chapter 10, verses 35 through 45. First person to raise their hand to read it is great. (laughs) All right, yeah, Josh, go ahead. All right, so this is where you all need to speak up. First question I have for you, how do you think James and John defined great? How do you think James and John defined great? Authority, the position, seating position, right? Yeah, Jesus had talked about, you know, beyond throne. There, there's, there is reference to that plus the culturally, when you went to a banquet table where you sat, there was seat, seats of an importance, and there, and so that made a difference. Yeah, anyone else have anything to add or? Okay, now this one you may not want to answer out loud. If you want to, uh, that's fine. Or you can answer internally. But in what area of your life are you trying to be great? Be honest with yourself. Really, you're not going to get any development from lessons if you don't be honest with yourself. But if you want to internally or somebody wants to uh, offer themselves a sacrificial lamb, um, in what area of your life are you trying to be great? Great as a father. So that was a noble one. Sometimes I get around other pastors that, that do things bigger and better than I, and I, I want to be them. I'll be honest. I get over it pretty quick because there's always a limit. You know, there's something about them I don't want to be exactly like. So. Anybody else? Okay, how would you define great in that arena? So uh, let me give you an example so you understand what we're saying. How would you define great? I said I used an example about other pastors. It's not as bad as it probably made it sound, but in the few times that happens for me, um, I don't judge it really by numbers of people. I don't even judge it by um, niceness of building or, or, or things. It really comes down to their ability to communicate. I, I recognize the difficulties I have in communicating, and the one thing I would just ask the Lord is, if if this church never becomes a thousand people, I, I'm whatever His will is in that. I just I want to develop, and I want to be. I don't have to be known for being a great communicator outside of the church. I just really like to. That's the thing. So so that's how I define great. If if I just knew that people outside of the church, because what was said said, man, that pastor, one thing, he's a great communicator, then I would be like, okay, I feel great now. Um, anybody else? So in those areas that you, how you define greatness. That's good. So why do you want to be great in that arena of your life? Now, some of you, um, I know Ken's kind of answered that too. 
But why do you want to be great in that area of your life? Um, again, I'll just break the ice with, I mean, mine is because, um, again, it comes back to uh, my success is not in numbers in this church, although that feels good when we grow because it means people's lives. I'm hoping it means that it's growing right, they're changing, but being a great communicator is because I'm not wasting your time. <laughs> you know, it, the message is getting through clearly, and, and that communication piece is my strongest uh, talent that God could give me to reach people. So anybody else, what, why is it you want to be great in that area of your life? Kind of goes along with how, how you define it. but Sure. And in every one of our personal examples, there comes with it a risk of us measuring incorrectly. So I could tell you, because I've been in that situation where I'm praying for those opportunities, that if people don't respond well, then I start gauging that as I didn't do well. And you can't do that because the thing is our job is to present the gospel and present it, but you're going to run into people who are going to make their choice. And maybe even not the internet, your job is to present it. And your gauge for how well you did is the fact that you were obedient and you did it. And, and so it, it's almost an immediate, once you break loose, when you are shy and God's, I've never been shy, but I was shy about sharing the, the word. And so uh, once you do that, the fact that you did it, you can really step back and say, okay, I, I did great, you know, because that's what the Lord wanted me to do. Um, Some plant, some, right, right, some sow, some reap. Um, do you think you're believing any lies? If so, list any lies you're believing and the truth for each lie. Or, or just state, are there any lies that you're believing when it comes to greatness? What, is, what defines it, what you're after, but any lies you're believing? Right. Yeah, I've run that too with my own, you know, wanting to, be a great orator, be a great communicator. And then I, I see this, I listen to this pastor, I listen to this minister, I'm like, man, it's just incredible. And, and the assumption comes that everything else is great about them too. And then you start kind of finding out, and not bashing anybody, but they, you know, maybe they're, they're great in communicating publicly or in a group, but they're terrible at relationships or something. You know, they might have great family life, but they just don't connect well with their people outside of that. And so, you know, I'm like, well, I don't want that. I don't want to trade my relationships with people to be a better speaker, um, that would be even more lonely. And you, you already fight loneliness sometimes as a pastor. You, you know, I remember the shift when I left being on the church board to being a pastor. It wasn't quite immediate, but I felt the difference in the relationships. There was change because I had a responsibility that was different and people looked at me and it was, you know, it was just different. And so, um, you know, I don't want to trade building relationships with people over anything, really. Um, Anybody else, any lies that may, you might be believing or you have believed when it comes to this uh, going after greatness or defining greatness? Don't worry, this is a warm-up tonight. I will get you all talking to where I have to, sh- have to stop you. You'll be talking, talking everybody's leg off by the time we get a few weeks into this. Okay, so um, somebody, uh, if you could read in the book of Mark, chapter 10. Verses 42 through 45. Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45. So, um, how does Jesus define great in this passage? How does Jesus, you can just kind of paraphrase it, just how does he define greatness? Servant leadership. So, let me get the teens involved here, all right? So, 
you know, do you have any teachers that are just like seem awesome, like they're they're that you like better than the others? Okay, yeah. you do. All right. <laughs> so tell me some qualities. Tell me some qualities about that teacher. What is it that makes them better about the others? How are they nice? What's the difference between them and the others? Okay. What about how they interact with you? How how do they interact with you differently other than smile on the face and They don't yell a lot. All right. Any any of the other teens are Taylor? I yeah, I could tell Taylor's got something for me. Come on, dig me out Taylor here. Be my friend. Good. Good. You know, so Jesus is teaching them through this that, you know, you've seen the rulers that would sit up here high and mighty and didn't, and didn't have time for the people below them. And then, but, but he's telling them that, that greatness doesn't come in that kind of package. It comes in those who, who take that position and connect and really become a servant of those. And, you know, I had great uh, college professors that when they came in, it wasn't a lecture. It was a, a lecture, life lesson, and then uh, connecting with them personally. They give their personal experience. And, and it was not that they were, didn't feel like they were lording over us as, oh, I've got all this knowledge. It was like, let me help you really get this. They had a passion for it. Um, you know, you think of the arena of your life where you're trying to be great. How does the world define greatness in that arena? Now, Kevin uh, hinted to a little bit of this earlier. Uh, it ties in with that. But how does the world uh, define greatness in that area? So for me, for me on my example, just give me an example. So if mine is pastors who I think are successful, the world really is, it's got to be one of those guys on TV, right? That has all the great little sayings. They got their book of sayings or whatever that are help you through each day, you know. Um, uh, you know, the, the world thinks, you know, if, if you draw a big crowd. But you can draw a big crowd, the Bible says, and, and be just scratching itch and ears, right? Saying what they want to hear, not really have the gospel. So what about you? What, how's the world and yours, how's the world maybe define your greatness and where you struggle or where you're wanting greatness, not struggle, where you want greatness? Yeah. I, not, not in a church setting, but it's funny. We've had a few times to interact with people who are probably not churchgoers, but they're kids, and they've got them in special programs or things like that. And it's funny how you listen to parents, how they talk sometimes about their kids, like this is the next president of the United States or something, you know. And you're over there watching the kid picking his nose in the corner while they're talking about this. I'm thinking, yeah, there may be some greatness there, but uh, I mean, you might be seeing a little more than I see. I don't know. You know, I'm not trying to be mean, but you know. Um, uh, so uh, yeah, you know, the world has different. You know, one of the things that uh, we have to really pray for our teens, especially the teen girls, is the world. Uh, what they portray greatness for teen girls is just scary anymore. I mean, you've got to look a certain way. You got to act a certain way, you got to have a certain fashion, you got to have this. It has nothing to do with be- beauty or self-worth or anything, but that's what the world portrays. And it's so subtle. And even the most level-headed girl could say, oh, that doesn't affect me. But you'll find, as soon as they go to the store or whatever, it has. It, it's powerful. Um, that's one of the things with Lily growing up that I'm really concerned about. You know, I tell her every day how pretty she is, over and over again. Let her know that she, and, and I mean it, it's sincere, but, but to let her know that daddy always thinks she's pretty. She doesn't have to do anything. Um, some of the best times is when she's got a bonnet on and 
sweatpants and pink boots and just a hodgepodge of stuff on, and she's out in the country out playing. It's just, to me, it's the cutest thing ever. I know I'm the dad, but, you know, we we somehow um, lost this idea that, that girls should have some individuality. Shouldn't all be cookie cutter. Uh, and the boys, you know, when it comes to sports or those kind of things, you know, we've got this, you know, they're going to be successful if they're a great sports player or, or something to that effect. Um, so, how is Jesus' definition different than the world's definition? We pretty much answered that. is because he sees us for who he's created us to be, and that's great to him. What the world tries to do is paint a different picture. We've always got to strive and be something different than what we're created to be. Um, so, so I'm going to skip down a little bit. There's a few more questions to that, but th- I want to get into just, we got just a few minutes before I want to close. Uh, group Bible to study discussion. So those were more on an individual basis, but let's take it to a group setting a little more. Do you think people in the, the pre-internet age, which wasn't that really long ago, I got to think about it. I started Bible college in 1993, and you know what I took with school with me to help me with my homework? A Texas instrument word processor. There's this thing that had the old print. It was like, you remember those? You know, it was like it was a telegram sitting down. The paper had the little holes on the side, you know, that you pulled off. But But pre-internet age, so... Um, do you think people in the pre-internet age had to struggle with the I want to be great syndrome as much as we do now? Why or why not? Do you think they did then as much? Is it more? And, and this is important to know because we're, we're, we're pulling some biblical self-psychology on ourselves a little bit to help us start to become a community. We need to understand the things that are affecting us and pushing us that we don't even know are there sometimes. So what do you think? Is it affecting you? And you know, I, I was here and I didn't catch all the exact details, so I, I'm going to probably misquote it, but the general idea is there, is that a lot of the generation who is really harping about this digital age is actually just as guilty. So um, the example was given that they did a study and they were finding that the average kid, uh, child from, I think it was age 10 to 14, spent between uh, seven and nine hours with electronic devices. That was computer screens, uh, tablets, um, whatever, 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 video games, but eight, uh, seven to nine hours a day on average with that. And so they said that, they, that, that the parents that were polling was saying that there was definitely a problem and they were beginning to limit that. But the same parents that were polled were spending six to eight hours on their phones scrolling Facebook, doing other things as well. They were setting the example for the kids. And so the byproduct was the kids were, were just, uh, they were hurting for the relationship, so they're replicating by, by doing that. And so we've got to understand too that this is not a generational thing I'm talking about here. This is something that is sweeping our culture. Uh, when, when my dad, he's not here to defend himself, my dad in his 70s got a Facebook account and an iPad and started commenting on Facebook. I thought the rapture was going to happen within three months. <laughs> to me, that was a sure sign of end times if I've ever seen one. There's, there's not an age group now for that. You understand what I'm saying? He's on there just as much as I am. I'm, I'm like, I've got to be careful what I put on there. Now my parents are monitoring my Facebook, you know? <laughs> Before you could, air, you know, if you had any grievances with parents, you could air it on Facebook. They're not going to be on there. Now you, you got you to gotta watch what you say. But in all seriousness, uh, I don't know where, we, where and how as a church setting, as a community, that we counteract this major impact on our culture. But I'm telling you, there's times I'm like, maybe if, I wonder what would happen in our church if we just got everybody who... who does electronic devices said let's fast it for this week and just see what the lord does 
you know, I'm not into quirkiness that people did these little, but I really believe there's something more, maybe not spiritual in it as I believe the, the phone or whatever is a demon, you know, but, but there's something that is, is maybe blocking us spiritually because we have uh, such time soakers that have come in that seems so innocent, but it's just really dry. It, it happens to me too. So I'm, I'm just wondering uh, sometimes how much of this is preventing us from really digging in deeper into the community aspect because we can talk about getting together in people's homes. We can talk about making time available and we feel busy and we don't realize how much of our business really is an addiction to our, our internet and electronic stuff. So why do you think we feel we have to be great? Why do you think we feel we have to be great? So we are, we're, we've got a couple examples already of the things that are negative. But just as I've said, for everything that God has created that's pure and good, there's always a copy that the enemy tries to do that, that turns bad. So we naturally, from God, have a drive to be great. It's in how we define that and what great, how we see greatness and what we strive for is a problem. So it, it gets turned into a, a, a fake, a copy, because of sin in our life or the influence of sin or, or Satan tempting us. But, but we, we have a natural drive to be great. God has created us to be a royal priesthood. But it's when we get the desire in our heart to be greater than the next when it's a pride thing and it becomes greater than someone else instead of lifting up be a servant. But God, God wants us to be mighty men of valor and, and, and godly women. Um, so the, it's not a bad thing when it's of God, but we, we quickly can turn it into something else. Um, so what usually makes us, makes you like and or respect people of greatness? What is it that makes you usually like and respect them? Right? If it's a godly person, it's their testimony. Maybe maybe if it go ahead. Right. I'm gonna tell you a lot of times if it's a society if it's a, a thing that's a pride thing or trying to be is because they're doing things that we we believe in our hearts we can't do. So or that is impossible for us. So, you know, you get the guys arm core chair uh armchair quarterbacking, you know, and they're telling that that high-paid athlete, you know, through the TV screen, that that they're messing up and they're they need to get a clue, right? And and, and but then they'll idolize them. That they're great, but but we it's because things we aspire. We I wish I could have got the chance to be that NFL football guy, right? I wish I could have been, and so we tend to aspire that. Now, when it comes to a godly person, and it's a good thing for us to aspire to be like that, but. Uh, a lot of times what we respect about them is because we we maybe feel condemnation about things we shouldn't or sometimes we just, the uh, Holy Spirit has convicted us about things we realize um, they've got that conquered, I want to be like them. But if we truly knew the hearts of all men like God knows them, then we probably would see them uh, in a little less light and realize, hey, we're, we all have our own struggles. Um, how can we pursue excellence and difficult goals without turning it into a quest for greatness? So how can we pursue, how can we use that God-given drive uh, for greatness for him, um, that excellence and difficult goals without turning it into a quest for greatness in the wrong way? Right. You know, I, I see now as becoming a shepherd of the church, um, there's things I did before. Even when I thought I was supporting the pastor and the ministry and all that, I see things before that I prioritize in my heart um, <clears throat> for instance, when Pastor Jim was alive, 
I was trying to climb the ladder at Walmart as quick as I could. I couldn't get into a salary position fast enough. I couldn't get into this. And Pastor Jim was picking up on that. And, you know, one of the things he said to me the week before he passed when he was very weak and they were getting ready to fly to the Mayo Clinic is he had me come in his room at like 3 in the morning and had me lean over. And one of the things he said to me, he said, CJ, he said, I want you to know um, promotion comes from the Lord. And I said, oh, I know. That's a spiritual thing to say. And, you know, now I've reflected on what he saw in me, possibly what the Lord might have revealed to him about the future of where, where I'd end up. I was trying to push my way up there and, and the promotion that God had for me had nothing to do with what I was striving for. So it's aligning ourselves with his will and his body. Um, look, you know, in the real world, we, and I say the real world, when we go out of this place, you go tomorrow, um, there's evaluations at jobs. There's, there's worrying about keeping your job. There's all those things. It's very hard for us to battle that and realize that what happens here, and I mean in your spiritual life and with the church body together with you, what we do matters for eternity. And it's always a struggle to keep the priority on. It's my eternal being. It's my eternal, my eternity that matters. The things I'm investing in my eternity is what really matters. You know, churches have made it more about people's attendance and and programs and things like that. and, And they put the emphasis there for their own glory or their own sake. But the truth be known is, again, there's always copies for what God intended. That God did intend for the church for us to be highly motivated, highly engaged with each other, and highly engaged in our community and outreach. That's what he intended. He intended us to be more important than your job, more important than anything else. And I'm not talking about New Song Church. I'm talking about ministry and in your walk with the Lord. Those things should be top, above all else. I, I'll lose my job before I'll before I'll back down from what God's got me do, to do, you know, what he's put in front of me. The rubber meets the road is where we walk out of here and we go to the boss and all that and the fear of, well, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to provide? How am I going to do that? I've been there, and trust me, there was times that uh, I didn't make it till Wednesday night. I didn't make it to this because I'm at Walmart when I work to CMI. I'm pulling a late night trying to make sure I impress the boss or whatever. I'm trying to keep my job at times. So those are the struggles, you know. How do you know when you've crossed the line uh, the last thing, how do we know when we cross the line and trying to be great? Exactly what we just talked about. When something else becomes your God. When, when God has been replaced by something of more importance. Um, not pastor, not new song, but when God has been replaced by something else. Let's, let's just close in prayer. Uh, we're about five minutes over and I, I want to keep uh, within the realm. Next week, we're, um, next week we'll be just doing something similar. And uh, I hope this grows and develops more to where we really have some good, intense discussion with each other. I want to talk less and hear from more from y'all. Let's just pray that God helps us in that. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight of, of sharing and, and discussing, Lord, um, our spiritual journey, Lord, uh, in the kingdom. God, I pray that you continue to grow this and nurture this, Lord. This is good and healthy for us to be able to share together. And Lord, while we grow in numbers where we may not be able to circle up in a group, I I, Lord, thank you that uh, folks are being brave and speaking out, uh, not just for their, for their sake, Lord, but to glorify you and also to bring unity in the body for others to grow and develop because of uh, their input. And Lord, I just pray that you give us wisdom as we work through this, Lord, and that we continue to put our focus on you and not on each other. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.